The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. We begin with Wall Street looking to close out this week in the green after another down day for stock. Futures right now, they're kind of mixed. Also, investor attention closing in on the labor market and the hiring numbers that is to continue to defy the Fed fight against inflation. The December jobs report out in just over three hours. And Tesla closing out another rough week. Reports this morning the company is slashing prices in China once again. And back to Washington, D.C., the House Speaker vote dragging on for a third straight day. This, the longest impasse since before the Civil War. But Kevin McCarthy remains committed to the fight. And then Samsung out with an early earnings look as the global chip spending slowdown hits its bottom line in a very big way. It is Friday, January the 6th, 2023. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. And good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Jobs Friday. I'm Frank Holland in for Brian Sullivan. Let's kick off the hour with a check on U.S. stock futures. After stocks, they just failed yesterday to build on Wednesday's move higher. And right now we're seeing kind of a mixed look at the futures right now. The Dow looking like it open up slightly lower. Same story for the S&P and the NASDAQ. The S&P and the NASDAQ now on pace for five weeks of losing. Futures right now, as I mentioned, mixed. We also want to check the bond market. Bond yields right now, we're seeing the 10-year, the benchmark at 374 this is down about 10, 15 basis points from when we started the week and, of course, the new year. Still seeing that inverted yield curve. Continue to talk about that bit, potentially being a recession indicator. Also, want to look at the energy markets right now, especially natural gas. It is trading at its lowest level in more than a year. Right now, we're seeing natural gas down um, about a percent and a half, almost 2% right now. WTI, Brent crude up, both of them just about a half a percent. However, WTI down about five bucks a barrel from where it started the week and again also started the new year. It's worst week since early December. WTI crude, as I mentioned right now, about five bucks a barrel lower. Also in crypto, we're seeing Bitcoin and Ether, a mini rally. Uh, Bitcoin still below that 17,000 mark. That seems to be kind of crucial for it, but both Bitcoin and Ether moving slightly higher this week. All right, let's get a check on the overnight action in Asia and the early trade over in Europe. Our Juliana Tattlebaum is standing by in our London newsroom. Happy Friday, Juliana. Frank, good morning. Well, some interesting action over here in the overnight session. You've got Shanghai Composite holding firm. We've got property shares in China getting a boost from news that the Chinese authorities are likely to provide more support to the property sector. Uh, the Hang Seng over in Hong Kong pulling back slightly and some green on the board for the Nikkei 225 up 0.6%. Samsung also in focus in the overnight trade. The company says its quarterly profit fell to an eight-year low amid weaker sales of electronic devices in a preliminary statement, the South Korean electronics giant also said it has seen lower than expected demand for its memory chips in the fourth quarter. Moving over to Europe, just three minutes ago, we got some fresh data, a uh, brand new inflation print for the Eurozone for the month of December. And here's the kicker. It's surprised to the downside, coming in at 9.2 percent versus 9.7 percent expected. Yes, that is extremely elevated versus historic levels, but not as high as feared. And this is in line with some of the 
the individual country prints that we got earlier in the week. Germany, France, both also delivering downside surprises. So the question now for Europe, will these downside inflation surprises change the policy path for the European Central Bank? Will it potentially make them less keen to raise interest rates? That is the key question, and the jury is still out. As for European markets, the majority are trading higher, fairly muted, though, in terms of magnitude. One stock in Europe in focus this morning in the energy sector, Shell. The company says it expects to pay about $2 billion in EU and UK windfall taxes in the fourth quarter. The energy giant also says prolonged outages at two of its plants in Australia will affect LNG production in the period. Shell shares are trading higher this morning by about 1.6%. Frank? Juliana, thank you very much. Great to see you as always. All right, let's get a look at some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Pippa Stevens is here. Happy Friday, Pippa. Good morning, Frank. Well, Tesla shares extending losses this week. The latest is the company is taking the sticker price on certain cars made and sold in China to their lowest price yet as deliveries in that region continue to lag other markets. Tesla says prices for Model 3 and Model Y cars built at its Shanghai plant will be reduced by between 5.7% and 13%. Model 3 prices now start at roughly $32,700. That's more than 30% cheaper than the price of a standard Model 3 selling on Tesla's U.S. website. And shares of Bed Bath & Beyond also lower, extending yesterday's massive losses. On reports, the company is planning to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection within a matter of weeks. According to the Wall Street Journal, the retailer is in, quote, the early stages of readying for Chapter 11 with plans that could stretch into the next month. And shares of World Wrestling Entertainment jumping double digits in the pre-market on news that former CEO Vince McMahon is returning to the company as CEO, saying that he supports a review of strategic alternatives for the company. The Journal reporting earlier in the day yesterday that McMahon believes the company should sell itself Shares are set, Frank, to open at an all-time high. Wow, that's a real bombshell. I'm a big wrestling fan, Pippa, huge wrestling fan, especially as a kid. Mr. McMahon, also the biggest shareholder of WWE. It's be very interesting to see how that all plays out. All right, thanks a lot, Pippa. See you later. All right, turn our attention back to Washington, D.C., the Capitol and the House of Representatives. It remains leaderless this morning after Congressman Kevin McCarthy failed for a third straight day to secure enough votes to become the next Speaker of the House. This impasse now lasting longer than any other Speaker vote since before the Civil War. NBC's Bree Jackson joins us now with Washington as this drama just goes on and on, Bree. Good morning, Frank. Yeah, you know the old saying, if at first you don't succeed, try, try, and keep trying again. Well, that seems to be the motto that lawmakers here on Capitol Hill are following. Uh, they huddled behind closed doors again last night, and sources tell NBC News that a promising deal is close. Fulcher. McCarthy. Vote. Gates. Trump. After vote. Cloud. Donalds. After vote. McCarthy. And still no House Speaker. Kevin McCarthy, the leading Republican vote-getter, failing to reach the magic number of 218 for the 11th time Thursday. Still, he says he'll try and try again. They do all hypothetically anything you want. Who else can get to 200 votes? Roughly 90% of GOP members support McCarthy's bid to become speaker, but a small group of rebel Republicans say they never will, even voting for former President Trump instead. I wouldn't be betting on uh, my vote for Kevin McCarthy under almost any circumstance. It takes to the 4th of July, it takes to the 4th of July, but at the end of the day, Kevin will be the speaker. 
Despite making concessions, including a rule that a single House member could force a vote to remove the speaker, some hardline holdouts refused to budge. Politics for these people has become entertainment. It has become sport. The House can't function amid the fierce GOP infighting, as frustrated Democrats can only sit by and watch. Literally a branch of the government is offline while we're waiting for this to get resolved. This is only an example of what we're likely to see over the next couple of years. The House stands adjourned until... After days of chaos on the House floor, lawmakers hope to bring this lengthy process to an end. It's now the longest contest for the gavel since before the Civil War. And the longest vote for House Speaker lasted in history, lasted two months and 133 ballots. That happened back in 1855. The House will give it another shot today when they reconvene at noon. Frank? <laughs> A lot of drama to follow down there in D.C. Bree Jackson, we appreciate it. Thank you. All right, when we come back here on Worldwide Exchange, it is Opportunity Friday with Dan Baru. He's bringing us his top picks to close out the trading week. Plus, much more on that D.C. stalemate and the next House Speaker, what congressional inaction could mean for investors. And then later, a CNBC exclusive with the CEO of Sunrun after a very rocky year for solar stocks. A very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Stock futures mixed right now as investors await today's jobs report. This on the back of yesterday's hotter-than-expected ADP payroll data that showed the labor market is still strong despite the Federal Reserve's efforts to tame inflation. Kansas City Fed President Esther George telling our own Steve Leisman yesterday she believes the battle against inflation requires more action. We understand that high inflation is going to require our action. So we have been moving our forecast up. Uh, to higher levels. You saw that in the most recent dot plot that came out in December. And I think holding that until we get confidence that inflation is actually coming down is really the message we're trying to put out there. All right. Joining me now to discuss is Dan Baru, co-chairman and chief investment officer at Palisade Capital Management. Dan, happy Friday. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Frank. All right. So we're seeing the futures a little bit choppy right now, following a choppy week. So I guess that all makes sense. What contributed to some of that choppiness was the Fed minutes and then comments like this from Esther George. How do you see the jobs report shaping the market day ahead? It's it's just going to be more confirmation that the Federal Reserve is on the right path, that keeping interest rates higher for longer, as uh, Esther George uh, stated yesterday with her interview with Steve Leisman. And I think it took a while for the market to recognize that really since 
the last time uh, the Fed raised interest rates and during the Fed commentary when uh, Chair Powell said our target uh, our target is going to be five and five to five and a quarter percent. I don't think the market had fully realized they were already starting to price in some sort of a pivot. I think for for us, the pivot is just going to be holding rates at a high level and not continuing to increase them. So instead of lower for longer, we're going to be higher for longer until they really break the back of inflation, which is going to take some time. Yeah, a lot of this pause and pivot talk, that's been people hoping and wishing. We haven't heard anything like that from the Fed. So we keep hearing over and over again, this is a stock picker's market. You just can't put your money in one sector or just in tech or anything else. So I know you have some stock picks for us. Let's start with one of your picks that's actually in the green year, year to date, week to date. It's only a couple of days, but you know what right. I mean. Uh, Amatech, um, explain. It's a multinational that, of course, is dollar sensitive. Why is this one of your picks right now? It's also multi-industry and has a lot of exposure in key areas like aerospace. My colleague, Will Potter, met with management at the R.W. Baird conference this past fall, and they really laid out a plan how they're seeing better acquisition opportunities today in quite some time. And that's a key thing. This is a company with the free cash flow and balance sheet that will allow them to grow the business, even if the macro landscape slows. They can do acquisitions at more attractive valuations that can add to earnings and they can possibly grow through a, a, a weakening uh, cycle. You know, really the last three stimulus, the last three deals uh, out of Congress have all functionally been stimulus deals. And, you know, those are going to go into the more industrial parts of the market, uh, whether it's infrastructure, building out semiconductor, you know, building out uh, electric vehicle. You know, Amatech and other companies like that in the multi-industry space play in that. And, and Amatech's got a great track record of delivering high financial returns on acquisitions. So there's a bit of a theme to your picks here. They're diversified yeah. industrials. So it seems like you're very bullish on industrials. Let's talk about another one of them. Roper Technologies, um, they do engineer right. products for niche markets. Why so bullish on this right. company? Again, this is more of an asset light type of model. This company started its life uh, when it went public in the early 90s as an industrial maker of pumps. They've completely remade themselves more in the SaaS software uh, markets, addressing you know technology end markets and healthcare end markets, as well as industrial. Uh, again, they just made a uh, an acquisition of a company in the education software space at probably a 20 or 25% discount than what they would have had to pay a year ago. They bought it from a private equity firm. And, and that's really, again, part of our theme here. These companies have had under-leveraged balance sheets uh, for quite some time, waiting for the opportunities to come to them on acquisitions. All right. Your other pick is Fortive. Uh, this is a spinoff from Danaher a couple years yep. ago. Uh, why so bullish on this name? Well, again, and, you know, Danaher is the ultimate in companies that have done and have an incredibly long track record and pedigree of delivering huge returns on invested capital. They are the best allocators of capital. And the DNA of Danaher is firmly informative in their industrial end markets. Again, another key theme here, high free cash flow, free cash flow in excess of net income. This is the time when you're going to get paid for companies that have those kind of financial metrics that can actually grow uh, through uh, an economic climate by 
by seizing opportunity, whether it's acquisitions or their own stock at a deep discount. Free cash flow. That might be the word or the phrase, at least, of 2023. Dan Baru, appreciate the insight. Happy Friday. All right, still on deck here on Worldwide Exchange, why surging inflation is good news for multi-million dollar estate planners. Our Robert Frank is here with the story when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. It has been a rocky year for solar stocks. The TAN Invesco Solar ETF is basically flat over the last 12 months, but that is not the case for one of its biggest components. The nearly $5 billion solar giant Sunrun is actually down 30% in the past year. It's partly due to massive debts, partly due to supply chain shocks, but the future it may be a bit brighter in 2023. Let's send it over to Brian Sullivan with a Worldwide Exchange exclusive. We are very pleased to be here at the Goldman Sachs Energy and Clean Tech Conference with Mary Powell, CEO and board member of Sunrun. Mary, thanks for joining us. Sure great, thing. Uh, great to be here. Listen, this, this was an oil and gas conference. Now it's going clean tech, obviously solar business, renewables, which shows the importance not only of where we are in the energy transition, but how serious Wall Street is taking it as well. This 100%. conference has evolved like we're evolving. Uh, let's get into your business because California made some big, it's a huge part of your business. They made some recent changes to solar tax credits on homes. Some analysts think it might hurt your business. Explain how that will impact Sunrun. So, yes, I mean, definitely changes happening in California. You know, frankly, Sunrun is really well positioned for the changes because the latest changes that that proposed decision that became a decision that now is going to be implemented in April is really all about embracing a lot more storage on the system with solar. Sunrun isn't just the leader in the nation delivering solar energy to customers, but we are the nation's leader in providing personal storage. So we believe in the importance of storage and we're we're, and we believe in the need for it to be tied to solar, to create a much more resilient energy independent experience for customers and then also leverage those resources for the grid. The most important thing about this change is that it dropped the tax on solar that was proposed a year ago. That was one of the most regressive kind of policy recommendations I've seen in my 20 years in energy. So that was huge that that was dropped. Um, and this new, this new iteration is definitely all about pushing for solar to be paired with storage. Correct me if I'm wrong, please, Mary. Net energy metering. Basically, California is reducing the amount of what money, if I put solar panels on my home, and I have excess energy creation, I could sell that back into the grid, they are reducing the amount that I'm able to sell or how much I can they're, sell Yes, they're, they're reducing the amount you're going to get compensated for when you export that energy to the grid. You know, honestly, I feel like we are at a consumer tipping point. Like, there are so many reasons customers are going solar. So, yes, the economics are important. Guess what? 
the economics are still going to work for customers that we're going to be selling to in California. So those economics will still work. The reality is what really matters to customers we're finding over and over again, and it's something you know that we chatted about earlier, right, is really that sense of energy independence and control and resilience. I mean, look what's happening in California right now. Customers are, again, having their power cut off yeah. because of high winds, right? So it's, it's more, for them, going solar is more of an experience of also just getting that stability of pricing. Energy independence is so important to Americans right now. And so that's another reason, Brian, why we actually, we, we've always been on the front end of, you know, also getting storage out yeah. there to customers because it takes energy independence, independence to that next click. You know, you said the sun does not increase its price. Well said. The Federal Reserve does, though, and they've been raising <laughs> rates. A lot of your customers probably borrow money to buy your systems. Yeah. How do higher rates impact Sunrun? Well, I, you know, the reality is the environment we're in is an environment where the prices around us are going up faster than the price increases we've had to pass on to consumers. So, like, the short version is, yes, it means that the price has gone up, you know, particularly if customers want to go through the loan model. Mm-hmm. We we pioneered energy as an affordable service, so we have a very easy way in most jurisdictions to just go solar through like a you know third-party ownership model. So it's it's Is that very effectively easy. Effectively, a lease. Yeah, effectively, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or energy as a subscription service is how I think of it, having done it now myself. So a if, few I, times. if I put solar on my, and I'm asking for a friend. Okay. <laughs> if I put solar on my home and then I move in yeah. five years, but I you know I've got a 20-year loan on my solar system. How does that work? How do, well, how- I can tell you how it works when you do energy as a subscription service like okay. I did, because I actually went through that exact same thing. Okay. What I found is it actually increased the value of my home to the next person because they were so excited to get not just solar, but to get storage, to get, um, you know, With the beyond- battery pack. Yeah, exactly. And to get an integrated system through this technology we deploy in some homes called Span. So they got all this cool, clean energy technology for one easy monthly payment that they just adopted. So it just transitioned the subscription service. Okay, so it just is transitioned with the house. Like a car lease, the I, next... can, I, I give you assume my car lease. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly. It. Mary Powell, CEO of Sunrun for the Goldman Sachs Energy and Clean Tech Conference. Mary, real pleasure. Important so nice topics to chat with you. And uh, cool technology. Thanks for joining us. Thank Appreciate you. Our, our thanks to Brian Sullivan for that. And be sure to catch much more of Brian's interview with the CEO of Sunrun. Just head over to CNBC.com. All right, straight ahead here on Worldwide Exchange, how today's jobs report will likely give the Fed even more runway when it comes to its fight against inflation. And if you haven't already, follow the podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, you miss Brian Sullivan, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. And Wex, we'll be right back. Stocks looking to find some momentum and finish the first trading week of the new year in the green. Futures holding steady ahead of the open. The likely key driver of the market action today, the monthly jobs report. Investors bracing for a potentially strong reading of the labor market and more Fed tightening in response. And Kevin McCarthy's fight to become Speaker of the House dragging into a fourth day as the voting process gridlock enters its longest stretch since before the Civil War. It is Friday, January the 6th. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back. I'm Frank Holland in for Brian Sullivan. Happy Friday. Let's get right to how the trading day is shaping up. 
Right now, we're seeing a bit of a mixed picture when it comes to futures. The S&P and the Dow look like they'll open slightly higher. The Nasdaq looks like it'll open slightly lower. But again, it is very early. We also want to get a look at energy prices. Oil snapping a two-day losing streak on Thursday. But for the week, WTI and Brent, they're both down about 8%. We see right now WTI up a percent, but still about 5 bucks lower than it started the week. It is Jobs Friday. The monthly employment data, it's out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. It's expected to show U.S. job and wage growth to be pretty solid in December, but rising interest rates, they could slow the momentum this year. We're seeing the forecast right right now. Forecasts call for an increase of 200,000 jobs in non-farm payrolls last month versus 263,000 back in November. Unemployment expected to hold steady at 3.7 percent. Sectors that are very sensitive to higher rates, such as housing, finance and technology, They've been cutting jobs recently. But then there's other industries like leisure and hospitality that are still desperate for workers. Let's talk a lot more about this with Rusha Van Kudre, senior economist and research director at Lightcast. Rusha, great to have you on. Thanks for being here. Thank you. All right. So, Rusha, we got a bit of insight into the jobs market this week. We saw the Jolts report come out. And then also we saw some layoffs from some big tech companies. What are you expecting from this monthly jobs report? The job market has really proved surprisingly resilient, I would say, in the past few months, um, in spite of all of the interest rate hikes that we've been seeing. So I think we are really expecting that to continue. If you look at the data from Jolts, which came out earlier this week, it really showed that in November, which is when we were hearing about a lot of these large layoffs, that data actually was not reflective of the economy as a whole. And it wasn't really even reflective of like larger information sectors or the professional business services, which is where a lot of these companies really are. Um, and so sort of given that, I think it's important to keep in mind that although we keep hearing still about, you know, layoffs that are coming out, um, they do still seem to be from this very small sector of the economy relatively. Um, and so I think we do expect that job growth is going to continue. Um, and given that openings are still high and quits were actually up in the month of November and layoffs were down overall, um, I think we're really expecting to see unemployment to keep holding steady um, and the labor market to stay just as tight as it's been. So I just want to be clear. Let's separate the economy from Main Street, Wall Street and all that. Tech's obviously a huge part of the stock market. But you're saying yes. when it comes to the economy, as far as the job market, it's a the small number of, percentage of jobs. I mean, the jobs. number of people who actually work there, right, compared to the total number of our labor force. Um, if you think about it in, in that context, right, it is a small percentage of sort of the overall labor market. So while you're right that it makes up definitely a large part of the attention, a large part of the stock market, it's not necessarily, you know, a huge part of everyday people's jobs. Totally understand. All right. We've had a lot of people on our air saying that Good news is actually bad news as far as the Fed is concerned, because we see good news in these jobs reports and other economic reports. And that keeps the Fed on this path to higher rates to try to tamp down inflation. Is there anything I'm trying to give a throw a bone of the people out there? They're just praying for a pause or a pivot. Is there anything in this jobs report that the Fed could say, hey, maybe we should pause and pivot? I mean, I think we saw from the minutes that were just released that the Fed has no intention of pausing. (laughs) They announced that pretty much throughout 2023, right, they expect to see those rates keep rising. Um, I mean, I think, you know, we we saw that at least if this jobs report number is somewhere in the 200,000 range again, um, I think there's a reasonable chance that they won't go higher um, back to the the three quarter percentage point that we'd seen previously and maybe stay at, at the half percentage, which I think would be good for everyone. Um, but at the same time, you know, given how strong the labor market is, um, 
the only way for inflation to really come down is for these these rates to keep coming up and ticking up a little bit. Um, so I, I think it's hard to expect anything different from what we've seen from the Fed thus far. All right. A lot of these job gains have come from the leisure and the hospitality sector. We've talked about that a lot. That sector continues to hire. However, the economy is softening. So do you see uh, another report where we see some softness in that area or maybe even job losses in that area potentially? Um, I think it's definitely possible. I think specifically if you look kind of at, at finance, um, what we saw from, from the report that was released um, earlier this week, they did have actually um, a loss in openings. They did have an increase in layoffs there. Um, and, you know, we saw some major announcements from that sector. So I think we could definitely see a softening sort of in that area. Um, but it's it's the other sectors of the economy that are continuing to grow. All right, Rusha Van Kudre, thank you so much for being here. Happy Friday. Happy Jobs Friday. Appreciate the insight. Thank you. All right, turn our attention back to that developing story out of Washington and the ongoing standoff within the Republican Party over Kevin McCarthy's bid to become Speaker of the House. Lawmakers in that chamber set to reconvene yet again at noon today. The California Republican trying for a fourth straight day to secure the votes needed to become the Speaker after 11 failed votes so far. McCarthy saying last night progress is being made to lock in support. Our Alon Moy joins us now with the very latest. Alon, a lot of drama here. The House remains non-functioning without a Speaker. How big of an impact is all this having on the federal government? Yeah, Frank, well, the drama over who's going to be Speaker of the House has effectively put the Republican agenda on hold and potentially spared an unlikely agency, the IRS. That's because the first bill the GOP was supposed to take up would have slashed funding for the agency by $72 billion. That's most of the money the IRS got through the Inflation Reduction Act that Democrats passed when they were in control last year. Republicans want to cut funding for greater enforcement and audits, but leave about $8 billion dedicated for customer service and IT modernization. One of the original sponsors of that bill was Representative Adrian Smith, and his office said the proposal will remain a top priority once this Congress actually kicks off. But the hardliners who've been holding up the speaker vote are backing a bill that goes even farther. They've asked McCarthy to guarantee that it'll get a vote in exchange for their support. The Fair Tax Act would get rid of the federal income tax, replace it with the national sales tax, and dismantle the IRS altogether. And McCarthy's opponents have also repeatedly brought up the sprawling government funding bill that passed at the end of last year as another sore spot. They want new rules to make sure that kind of bill can't happen again. We are committed to make change to this institution that has lost its way. It is epitomized in the $1.7 trillion omnibus rammed through this institution just two weeks ago. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I came to fix this broken system. But, of course, nothing at all can happen while this fight over the speaker drags on. So, Frank, right now we are at both a political and a policy stalemate. Yeah, a lot of drama here, a lot going on. Um, So assuming the votes fail today, and it looks like that could be likely, are there plans for the House to work this weekend? And if they don't work this weekend, or even if they do, what are the next steps here to get this House functioning? 
Yeah, so at a practical level, Frank, you're right. They just got to keep voting. They've taken 11 rounds of votes so far. They're going to have to at least take a 12th in order to elect a speaker. One of McCarthy's top allies said that if this takes until July 4th, so be it. Let's hope he was being facetious when he made that remark here. But I think the bigger question that this brings up is what does this mean for the Republican agenda? Because the concessions that McCarthy has made to these hardline conservatives will make it more difficult for anyone to govern because it weakens the power of the speaker. So that means good luck getting a deal on another government funding bill. Good luck getting a deal on the debt limit, because this group of hardliners has shown that even if they can't get everything that they want, they have been very, very effective at blocking Congress from doing the basics of its job. So that could mean more drama specifically in the second half of the next of this year. All right. A lot of drama down there in D.C. Busy day for you, Alon. I guess the action starts again at noon. Thank you again. Arlan Moy down in D.C. All right, for more on the ramifications of this leadership limbo in the House, let's bring in Ed Mills, Washington policy analyst at Raymond James. Ed, we just heard Alon kind of break down all the potential issues here. So break it down for us. Near term, how does this impact the market? And if this drags on longer, let's hope not until the 4th of July. How does it impact the market long term? Yeah, Frank, this is going to be resolved long before 4th of July. Um, and the way we've been telling clients here at Raymond James is that for now, this is just a lot of D.C. drama, not a huge market impact. But as we go through the year, you could see major dysfunction have a significant market impact. We're focused on a couple of things. First and foremost, the biggest issue is the debt limit, Frank, because if a group of individuals are able to hold the speakership hostage, if they hold that hostage by around July 4th, that's when we have a question of the full faith and credit of the United States government. I think the middle holds there, but that's not without a lot of brinkmanship. Outside of that, we look at other policy issues. We thought that the Congress could be working on extending out the research and development tax credit. That wasn't done in that $1.7 trillion bill. That's really important for healthcare companies. That's really important for industrial companies. We'll look at who gets speakerships going down the line. If Kevin McCarthy doesn't get the speakership, um, that's another Californian removed from leadership. What does that do to the anti-tech, uh, antitrust agenda in Washington, D.C.? It's no secret the California delegation, especially the Democrats, had stopped a lot of that previously. No one in leadership from California exposes the tech industry even more. Lots of other implications as well, Frank. Yeah, let's follow with that, that thread there with the tech industry and no California uh, re representatives in leadership. That includes, of course, Nancy Pelosi, who is no longer the House Speaker. So you're saying that impacts p potential antitrust regulation. What's the near-term risk for tech companies without a California representative in, le in leadership? So I would, yeah, Frank, so I'd look over to the Senate, and we've seen a lot of activity led by Senator Amy Klobuchar uh, as the chair of the antitrust subcommittee. We're looking at kind of the way in which apps uh, stores operate, looking at competition, uh, looking at kind of some of the uh, overall kind of uh, social media conversation as to kind of uh, their legal protections. If we were to see something emerge from the Senate, I think that has a higher probability of actually being signed into law because there would be no one stopping it uh, from getting a vote, especially what we saw last year. The California delegation led by Nancy Pelosi oftentimes stopped a lot of that momentum. Uh, so that's where we have much more exposure in this Congress once they do sp uh, actually pick a speaker. All right. We have a graphic of some of the House Republicans to watch that we're going to show everybody right now. 
One of the names on that list is Representative Jim Jordan, the head of the House Judiciary Committee. He already wants to bring in big tech to talk about uh, potential censorship on their platforms. If somehow, I know he's a dark horse candidate, but if somehow he becomes the House Speaker, does that add to the risk of these tech stocks? Frank, I would add, probably say yes, um, because what the group of 20 who are the never Kevins uh, want is they want a speaker in name only, a, a spino. I guess we always talk about, you know, the, the rhino in D.C., but they would want uh, a completely emasculated uh, speakership here. Uh, if a Jim Jordan were to get that, that's one of their own. He would have more power. He'd be directing some of the way in which this happens. And because that is one of his top priorities, you'd have to elevate that risk. All right. I got to ask you one more question about how all this could impact the Fed potentially. We always hear the Fed is nonpartisan and not political. But could this political infighting in the House actually impact their policy? So, Frank, what I always was very focused on from the great financial crisis um, you know, in their aftermath and all of the Fed policies, the dysfunction from the fiscal side really drove a lot of the decision making of the Fed. We've been in a very unusual situation where the fiscal side actually started to support some of the monetary policy decisions. Arguably, both went way too far. If we have a return of fiscal dysfunction, the Fed is going to have to recalibrate what they do. I think right now they're trying to get as many rate increases in as possible to have as much dry powder for that fiscal dysfunction. They are likely to hold for a good portion of this year after they get to that terminal rate. But if we're in this fight over the debt limit, you know, markets could be right. The reason why we could see the first Fed cut is out of fear that the dysfunction on the Hill could infiltrate the economy in a much greater way than what would be anticipated. So I'd be watching kind of how much the Fed can go if the House and Senate are paralyzed uh, because of the leadership dynamics that we're playing out right now in the House. All right, Ed Mills from Raymond James, we appreciate the insight. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Ray. All right, coming up here on WEX, how surging inflation is offering some Americans an opportunity to capitalize when it comes to giving their wealth away. The full story when Worldwide Exchange returns. All right, welcome back to WEX. Elevated inflation levels offering wealthy Americans an opportunity to capitalize on gift taxes. The IRS boosting the amount around that exemption, leaving many wondering if now is the time to increase how much of their wealth they plan to give away. Our Robert Frank joins us now. Robert, how big of a jump are we talking about with that exemption? Well, Frank, every year the IRS adjusts the estate and gift tax exclusion. That's for inflation. This year, it is one of the biggest adjustments in decades. The exclusion will rise $1 million from $12 million to $13 million for individuals. For couples, it goes from 24 to $26 million. What does that mean? Well, it means that estates under $26 million will not owe any estate taxes. And it means couples can give away up to $26 million in their lifetimes without owing any tax. A dozen states also impose an estate tax. Those exemptions also going up. New York goes from $6.1 million to $6.6 million. All of this means that fewer Americans will pay the estate tax, which has been declining for decades. 20 years ago, 52,000 estates paid this tax. In 2020, it was only 1,300. Revenue also down. It was In 2000, it was $24 billion. By 2020, it was only $9 billion. And that's even as the wealth of the top 1% has nearly quadrupled. 
The estate tax has become also easy to avoid with trusts and loopholes. And the rising exemption means that less than 0.04% of the population actually pays. The 2017 tax law changes doubled the exemption from 5.5 to 11.7 million. Accountants are advising their clients to make full use of that $26 million exclusion in the coming years. It's scheduled to fall again by half at the end of 2025 as those individual provisions of the 2017 tax law expired. So Frank, accountants are telling all their clients right now, give it away. <laughs> uh, so Robert, this is an interesting situation where there's a benefit to giving away more of your wealth. Uh, is there any chance that Congress changes that estate tax anytime soon? Well, the challenge with the estate tax is it's dying and no one pays it anymore between all the trust you can create to avoid it and the higher exemption. So the question is, what do you replace it with? Democrats are enamored with the wealth tax and taxing unrealized gains. That has not gone anywhere, even in a democratically controlled Congress and White House. So now we have divided Congress. It's unlikely we're going to get any change anytime soon. You know, Robert, when you were ending there, I thought you were going to go red hot chili peppers and do like a give it away, give it away, give it away now type of thing. I was just like, I was giving you some room to do. What you you got, you got to give it to your daughter. (laughs) Robert Frank, we appreciate that report. Very interesting stuff there with that tax loophole. All right, on deck, investors gearing up for that big monthly jobs report. Patrick Fruzetti lays out what what signs of continued strength in the labor market could mean for Fed policy and for your money. Worldwide Exchange, we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. Six stories you may have missed as we close in on the 6 o'clock hour. We begin with Samsung's fourth quarter operating profits sliding nearly 70% to an eight-year low. According to preliminary figures, the company citing a slowdown in chip and electronics demand. Shares of World Wrestling Entertainment surging in extended trading amid the return of former CEO and founder Vince McMahon. McMahon's return coming as the company prepares for negotiations over media rights and strategic alternatives amid rumors of a possible, potential, maybe an acquisition. Got to watch. It could just be a wrestling storyline. All right. Costco shares also higher on a 7% increase in December sales. E-commerce sales sliding more than 6%, however, though it was a smaller drop than in November. Tesla slashing prices on its Model 3 and Model Y cars made and sold in China after deliveries plunged in December. Dealers in Japan and South Korea also reported reducing prices. Southwest Airlines is preparing to offer updated fourth quarter earnings guidance following its holiday schedule meltdown, according to Bloomberg. Those figures are due out later on this month. And the NFL officially scrapping the Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati Bengals game that was canceled after Bills safety DeMar Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest. The decision coming, as Hamlin's doctors say, he's made a strong improvement. All right, we're also gearing up for the trading day ahead. Investors gearing up for the big monthly jobs report out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. We'll also get ISM non-manufacturing numbers at 10 a.m. and a number of Fed officials speaking today. They include Atlanta Fed President Rafael Bostic giving a speech in the 11 a.m. hour. Ahead of that, Bostic will speak exclusively with CNBC at 10 a.m. Eastern. We're also going to hear from Fed Governor Lisa Cook. Richmond Fed President Tom Barkin and Kansas City Fed President Esther George. All those later on today. All right, ahead of all that, let's get a check on how the markets are shaping up right now. We've seen some movement in the futures just a bit. Just a short time ago, it looked like it was mixed, remains mixed right now. However, the Dow has gained a bit of strength as we've gone on in the early trade. 
All right, joining me now is Patrick Fruzetti, Managing Director and Partner at Rose Advisors at Hightower. Patrick, great to have you on. Good morning, Frank. Thanks for having me. All right, Patrick, we've been talking about it all morning. We've got some factors that could influence the markets. A little bit of drama in D.C., not a near-term risk, but maybe a long-term risk. We had the Fed minutes out earlier this week, raising rates for some time. So no real signs of that pause of the pivot. And now we've got the jobs report where good news could be bad news. What are you expecting from the markets today and all these different data points? Do they influence how you're balancing portfolios? Yeah, well, Frank, look, you know, entering 2023, we'd be saying, you know, let's hope for some new beginnings, but it really seems like more of the same. And that means that we have a strong and tight labor market. Um, we saw it with the ADP numbers yesterday. I think today, you know, unemployment uh, expected to remain unchanged, seeing, you know, non-farm payrolls around 200,000 just means the Fed is going to be um, higher, higher for, for, for longer. Um, and I think that, you know, the Fed has been very firm and very consistent in their message. And I think that's going to continue, uh, certainly through uh, the first half of this year. All right. So one of the big stories of 2022 was the rising dollar in Q4. It fizzled a bit. Are we looking at all at a potential another another rally for the dollar that really impacted a lot of tech companies and also also multinationals? Yeah, no, look, it's very important when you know, when I head into 2023, I think investors are looking at three questions. You know, you know what's going to happen to the U.S. dollar, what's going to happen with, with interest rates, and what's going to happen with the cost of energy. And, um, you know, all those questions are sort of intertwined. I mean, the U.S. dollar peaked out. I, I think that, you know, because, you know, the Fed's response and the tight policy, they're not sort of uh, alone in, in, in tightening. So the fact that other central banks are following suit, I think, is important. That's why I think the dollar has peaked um, in terms of interest rates. You know, the only way rates can come down is if inflation craters. And I, I certainly don't see that happening. You know, inflation is much too sticky because, again, of the strong labor market. And finally, the cost of energy um, demand, I expect to be to very, very strong uh, as China reopens. Um, you know, the traffic jams are, are beginning again in the big cities in, in China. Uh, you're going to begin to see, you know, Chinese tourists in Europe. Um, so, frankly, uh, I I think the fact that, you know, China sort of, quote, reopens um, as they battle through battle through COVID, I think is going to be very important. I mean, I think that's going to be, um, you know, inflationary okay. uh, in this, in, in, you know, in a sense, when we look at energy prices. All right. Speaking of energy, um, how much yeah. are you investing in energy for portfolios? And I believe you also have a stock picker for us in the energy sector. Right. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I'll get right to it. Um, you know, when we when we look at um you know, positioning coming into the year, obviously having some short-term liquidity is important. I really like precious metals. I've talked about, you know, other sectors such as railroads, et cetera. But when I look at energy, I think you have to have some energy at a, at a minimum for a hedge, but I think it's it's important to be positioned in the energy sector. So when I look at something like ENP, a company like EOG Resources, great balance sheet. Um, obviously, the fact that energy's dipped down a bit I think, you know, it's a, it's a, a company that uh, we have in our sights. Um, and, you know, if there is okay. continues to be a correction, it's a position that I would add. Very good balance sheet, good cash flow. And it's something that, you know, should be in portfolios, um, you know, as you look over the long term and certainly over the course of this year. All right. EOG Resources up right now in the pre-market energy, the big winner of 2022. Patrick Frizzetti, thank right. you so much for the insight. Happy Friday. All right. That's going to do it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box coming up next. 
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 